Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. another hour of the PFT Live podcast. It's a Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. Chris Sims is back. He lost 25 pounds with his <laughs> bout with food poisoning and or some sort of a stomach bug. I Listen, I spent the, the minute you said on Wednesday morning, my niece had it. She gave it to my wife. She got it Monday. That's what I think everybody on the crew kind of looked at each other like, Oh crap! I know. We're next. I know. And I spent the next seventy-two hours just w- like every night I went to bed. I'm thinking, am I going to wake up at two in the morning violently ill? Not that I, I mean, I it just it, you know, it's life when yeah. you interact with people. It's what happens. But I, I, I spent a few days where I had to sleep in the guest room Thursday night to make Good. sure I wasn't going to infect my wife. Good. That's right. Keep them there, Jill. The hell with them. Keep them in the guest room all the time. He'll infect you with something at some point. You might as well. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but but I I mean it was, I haven't been sick like that, Mike, and I don't know how long. It really I mean I I'm pretty sure I had the H1N1 back in the day, right? I think that was like 2006 or 7, and that was the most I've thrown up since then. And like just to be like I I still don't feel totally normal. Like I'm only eating like breakfast and dinner. Like my, I haven't been eating full meals and my stomach does not feel right. And it's, it's going around here in Connecticut apparently. So I made it over the hurdle, but I'm not perfect yet. You know, it's funny when, when Jill and I first started dating some 30 years ago, we were both in law school and right around Thanksgiving I had, and I, I convinced it was food poisoning and that was, it sounded a lot like, like it just, it wipes you out like the aftermath even after the the you know trash can and toilet stuff ends you just you have nothing you can't do anything you're just it's just like you're a shell that that you can't the 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 messages from your brain to your to your limbs it doesn't want to work and it took like four days to get over it so i felt bad for you and and it's just of all weeks for it to happen we're on the road you're away from home and you gotta deal with it there and 
you know, we were at the combine and everything. So it, it worked out. Look, I'm not, I'm, I wish you would have been there, but I, I feel bad for you because I know how badly you wanted to be there. All right. You still got to see it. You were there for uh, a couple of the days. We saw the workouts. You watched them. I didn't. I admit it. I wish they were still in the morning. I could watch them while I work. I wasn't going to rearrange my weekend to watch a bunch of guys running around in their underwear. Sorry, full transparency. I'm not doing it. Combine superlatives time coming out of this year's event. Chris, what do you have first? Well, I I mean, let's just go with like, uh, like legs and butt for days. Tristan Wirfs. We didn't get to talk about that yet because we we didn't hit it the first. But Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman from Iowa. I mean, come on. We talked about some of the skill guys in the first hour. I mean, we got to hit on him once again, Mike. I mean, that was you know out of this world. Three twenty to run a four eight five. Thirty six and a half inch vertical. Ten one broad jump. And then the way he moved in drills and everything like that, along with just again. The way the body looks, you know, a 320 pound man who, you know, it doesn't, it's not your normal look of a 320 pound man. It's an upper body of a guy that looks like, you know, oh, hey, he's 285, 290 pounds because it's not sloppy, but just the power and explosion from a guy like that. To me, you know, that, that was a game changing performance, probably going to be a first round offensive lineman, no matter what. But when you put up those type of numbers that moves you up like 10 spots in the round. And now he'll be truly coveted as one of the number one linemen in the draft. And uh, to me, that that was one. We got to give love to the big uglies every now and then. Yeah, I mean, when a big guy has that kind of athleticism and can move that way, there are so many different things you can do with him. You can get more creative. He can fit, you know, systems where the offensive linemen are on the move more and and, and, you know, just you, you never know when you're going to need somebody to put the pedal to the metal on the football field and run across the, the field and block somebody or or chase a guy who intercepted a pass, whatever the case may be. It's tools that are uncommon for linemen. And, and yeah, to see a guy that big move that way, that is incredibly That's Mike, impressive. I, I ran a 482. And I was, you know, 95 pounds less than him. I mean, that that to me I'm is... I'm the combine running the 40. I'm running the 40. I'm running the 40. I'm running the 40. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. But, I mean, that just speaks <laughs> to what a, what a freak of nature he is. God, I wish I'd known you then. But, but you know, uh, I, I don't know that I could handle the 21-year-old version of you. <laughs> you I have a have. feeling you were probably far more of a handful than you are now. Yes. All right. Uh, this is the Not Ready for Primetime Players award because I don't like the fact that they move the workouts to prime time. And I put out a very innocuous, open-ended, not a push poll on Twitter, 24,600 votes so far. How much of live combine coverage did you watch this year in comparison to last year? Less has 65% of the vote. Less. And I know the ratings were up for Thursday uh, when they moved it into the evening. From, from the daytime, but man, I, I, I just, I don't know that this is sustainable, especially when they are going against real sporting events where you turn it on and there's real excitement. They're actually keeping score and it, it feels like watching golf. Not that I have any problem with watching golf, but it's all very hushed tones and, and it's individuals and there isn't a whole lot happening and, and you can catch the big things on Twitter or ESPN Sports Center after the fact, or on this show on Monday morning. We'll tell you everything you need to know. You don't need to spend seven hours, 4 to 11, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, and then another five hours Sunday watching every minute of it. And and I, I watched very, very little of it, and I think a lot of people 
uh, who are ardent football fans feel the same way because fundamentally it's just not football. Well, no, it's not football. And, and you know, maybe the thing that's going to hurt about hurt it a little bit is the fact that, yeah, it's prime time on a Friday and Saturday night is not, you know, th- I think they're going to have to move the days eventually. That's to me where it's got to be played. I mean, you're right. Nobody's going to turn it on Friday or Saturday night. You know, you might take a quick look, but are guys or are, are, are people going to sit there for two and three hours at a time? No, eventually they're going to go out out with their wives or their friends and go to the bar and do whatever that maybe take a look here and there. But if I'm the NFL going forward, I'm thinking, okay, for now on, let's try to make this to where it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, something like that. Because then Mike Florio is more inclined to be in the barn on his recliner watching it. Right. Oh, and let me tell you, I have watched a lot of sports that I had not watched in a long time. I had never watched UFC. When there's a UFC pay-per-view, we have a gathering in the barn. I mean, it becomes like a communal activity, and it's fun. You get everybody together. You have a good time. I didn't even dare send out to the text chain of all the guys who come to my barn, hey, let's watch the scouting combine Friday or Saturday night. They would have laughed me off of the chain. Yeah, well, you're right. I was that nerd that does that. Okay, I didn't do it Saturday night, but Friday night I did. Uh, it, but but I'm obsessed with it, and this is what I do. And I wasn't feeling well, so I wasn't trying to go out on a Friday night. But either way, I enjoyed it, especially Thursday night. You know, to me, that's where I'm just, to my point, have it in the middle of the week, and you're going to get everybody to tune in and sit there. Friday and Saturday night, you're going to lose a crowd of people that are going to go do. You I think know, you're right. Things. I think you're right. I think they and they look. They've already shown they're willing to reconfigure it. I think the bulk of it needs to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, or yeah. you know, do the four days: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But if they're going to try to turn this into a revenue generator, a ratings generator, you you can't have four to eleven p.m. Eastern on a Friday night and a Saturday night because people aren't going to stay home to watch that all right what's your next one um godzilla award okay i mean godzilla okay it's makai becton okay did you see that freaking dude i'm mad i missed that interview last week while i was puking my brains out in the indianapolis hotel but again you know we talked about some of the sexy skill guys i I don't want to talk about them all the time i mean i want to talk about this big freak of nature 364 pounds he ran faster than Tom Brady did, right, at the Combine. All right, he's to move like that. And forget all that. Forget that he ran 5-1, which is impressive. Some of the drill work he did. I mean, this is not just some big slob who weighs 360 pounds. This is a dancing bear, as we would say in the NFL. He's a special athlete. So it's another guy that, you know, I just want to give a little notice to because we're talking about a, this is a, you know, Trent Brown, right? Orlando Brown, the Baltimore Ravens type guy where it might not always look pretty and super athletic, but the size of the human being is different for even the NFL. And yeah, there might not be quite the foot quickness you want prototypically out of that guy, all right? But it's not that much less than. And, you know, this guy could cast a shadow around planet Earth. So to get around him and his long arms, too, is not easy either, which makes up for the fact that his feet might not be as quick. But to me, that was another impressive performance that I just got to talk about. I mean, to be that big and to move that way uh, just speaks to the athletes that are coming into the NFL right now. Six seven three sixty, and you're right to move like that. Incredible, and uh, 
I, I look forward to a creative coach finding ways to use him. Uh, line, line him up in the backfield. Make make him eligible. Let him catch a pass in the end zone. Let him let him run something other than a short little route. Let him let him get ahead of steam behind him. And and good luck if you're a safety getting in his way if he has the ball in his hands. So uh, that was impressive. And you know it's funny when they come around for the interviews. They're wearing the baggy clothing. So you really don't get a sense. I mean, for me, it's just like looking up and at a giant. You don't sense how big the guy is. Right. Um, when they when they're, you know, you can't hide anything in the underwear that they wear for the combine. You can't and, hide uh, anything in the underwear yeah, for the combine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chris Chris Jones found that out the hard way four <laughs> yeah. years ago. But uh but any anyway, I digress. Uh yeah, you, you really got a sense for how massive these guys are and when they move like that it really is impressive. All right, this is the I choose not to run award for Chase Young and anyone else who makes the conscious decision not to work out and doesn't give in to the pressure. And I think they're getting more creative on how they they go after the guys who choose not to work out. It used to be very blatant and very open where people in the media would say, oh, what's wrong? Don't you want to compete? Aren't you a competitor? These guys are out here competing. Baloney. They're not competing at football. And Chase Young told me directly last week, I didn't want to take the time necessary to become a combine athlete. I wanted to continue to work on becoming the best football player I can be. So when it's time to show up and practice and play football, I'll be more prepared. It is a unique skill set to morph into an underwear Olympian. And I admire Chase Young for holding firm. The thing I don't like, though, is, you know, all of a sudden we start hearing, oh, Chase Young didn't have a sack in any of his last three games. Who cares if he had a sack or not? But, you know, you buck the system, Chris, and the system finds a way to buck back. Oh, well, no doubt. You're all of a sudden, oh, I don't know if he hustles every play, his motor. I mean, all those kind of things, you're right, are all going to be questioned a little bit, but it doesn't matter. He's put on enough on his plate and to come out of a place like Ohio State right now that's just you know through the roof with pass rushers and the fact that those people are going to go oh he's like a Nick Bosa or oh he's like a Joey Bosa uh, I think that's going to silence a lot of the haters and criticism there in a hurry but he's one of those guys still I can't wait to see his pro day because I think he is going to do something that we just go whoa like an Isaiah Simmons or uh, a Chase Claypool that we saw this year where we just go it just doesn't make sense to be that size and look like that and be able to move the way they do. That's why the, the last one, like if I could do one more superlative, like holy wide receiver. I mean, it's just one freak after another. I mean, that would be the probably my main thing that jumped out from the combine. I just can't get over the amount of talented, physically gifted wide receivers that are in the class. Of course, hey, it was great to see Henry Ruggs, right? I mean, whoa, could he fly? You know, you could tell he felt the pressure of the moment too and he wanted to do something special. But then, you know, whether you talk about the kid from Colorado, Chase Claypool, Denzel Mims, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jerry Judy, who I thought overall looked about as good and as smooth as any receiver there running a 4-4. Justin Jefferson, same thing from LSU. They might not have had the fastest times, but they had times where you go, whoa, he's still really fast. And they looked like the most polished wide receivers of the group too. But that's one thing that jumped out to me, Mike. I just sitting there Thursday night, every receiver that got up, I just kept going, wow, he looks good. Whoa, okay, he can run. Whoa, he could jump. Wow, he looks good. Whoa, he can run. I mean, it's unbelievable the amount of talented receivers that are coming in the league uh, this year in the Which, draft. Hey, hey, Chris, and that means it's bad news if you're a free agent receiver or like a Stephon Diggs, if the Vikings are thinking about trading him, why would you give up anything of value for a veteran receiver and take on an eight-figure contract 
when you can draft one or two of these guys at very, very low salaries in comparison to what the best players, the most established players in the league make. Yeah, you're right. Well, you know, and last year, Mike, to your point, you know, we could point at two second-round picks who changed their team at wide receiver. Debo Samuel for the 49ers, DK Metcalf for the Seattle Seahawks. You know, to your point, that's that's spot on. Those are two guys that became go-to targets for their team that were found in the second round, and I think you're going to find a number of receivers in this draft that are go-to type material that are drafted in the second and third round. And that could ultimately make it very good for the Cowboys, who if the new CBA goes through, they'll have a franchise tag to use on Dak Prescott. Amari Cooper, for whom they gave up a first-round pick back in the 2018 season, he goes to the market. Maybe the market won't be there for Amari Cooper because why am I going to sign Amari Cooper and pay him 16 17 18 19 million a year or more when I can get one of these kids right out of school? And there's so many of them this year. The, the dollar for dollar oh. value is there for the youngsters, and it may not be right there, relatively speaking, for Amari Cooper. All right, uh, when we return, what are the Buccaneers going to do with Jameis Winston? Could he actually be their plan B to their effort to go out and find someone better in free agency? We'll discuss that next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. I know... Uh, the area that I have to fix. Intercepted. Yeah, he's nearsighted. Picked off. No, the areas that uh, I, I, I'm highly successful at. Winston throws a deep pass to all the end zone. And a perfect throw. There's so much good. You look at there's so much good, and there's so much outright terrible. Over the middle. Intercepted. He can't read the scoreboard, but he can see the guys in front of him. Winston is hotter than a match. Is the 5,031 good enough to win a championship? Or is it the 31 and whatever many fumbles? Losing the championship. So that's that's where you go. Little Bruce Arians, a little Jameis Winston, a big problem for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are they going to do with Jameis Winston, who is due to become a free agent, who had 5,109 passing yards last year, but also had 30 interceptions? And Bruce Arians has been so critical. At first, I thought it was just an effort to keep Jameis Winston's financial expectations down. Chris, it's, it's too persistent. We talked to him last week. He's mincing no words. He's pulling no punches to the point where it's going to be awkward if Winston stays. What if what the Buccaneers are doing, and I'm just reading the tea leaves here, and maybe I know a thing or two that I don't officially know. What if the Buccaneers have a wish list of guys they'd like to try to get, and the goal is try to get one of those guys, and if they don't, then we keep Jameis Winston as the fallback plan when we don't, if we don't get Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers or someone else that they may decide to pursue. Well, I think that's exactly what they're doing. I I do. I I don't think this is, to to me, from the outside looking in, uh, I think that's the plan. I think they're making sure Jameis Winston is plan B. Now, one, like you said, like, is it going to be awkward when they see each other? I don't think so. I bet you Bruce Arians has said this kind of crap to Jameis Winston already. You know, just just our knowledge of Bruce Arians and being around him, uh, I, I don't think he's one to mince words a whole lot. I'm sure he's said these things and let it be known that he's annoyed by it. But, yeah, I do think he's plan B. I think that they are exhausting other options to see who they might bring in. And within 
in that, I think that Bruce Arians is being very honest about Jameis Winston publicly and everything about that because it favors him and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be honest about him. You know, when he talks about, oh, 20 of those interceptions might have been him and, you know, some was great and the other was terrible and all of those things. Yeah, that's going to scare the crap out of most teams in football when they hear the head coach and a guy that's so respected like Bruce Arians saying that type of thing. So not only are they scaring now the rest of the teams away from really wanting to maybe deep dive into Jameis Winston, they're lowering his price as well. So I think everything Tampa's doing is planned, and I do think that they're probably trying to look at a replacement, and Bruce Arians trying to make sure plan B is there in case that replacement doesn't work out the way they want it. You know, as to those 30 interceptions, an important point when you go down the Bruce Arians career rabbit hole, his first year with Carson Palmer in Arizona, 22 interceptions. Yeah. For Carson Palmer. His first year with Peyton Manning, 1998 in Indianapolis. Peyton Manning set the single-season rookie record for interceptions. I mean, this isn't an uncommon development where your first year with Bruce Arians, you're going to make some mistakes. Now, Arians is exasperated with the fact that Winston seemed to regress in December. But that, I think, is the idea. See what else is out there. Keep Winston only if they can't get what they want. But they're taking the risk. He may not be there. Chris, you know, there's a vibe out there that even though it looks like there's no way they're going to tag Winston, there are some teams that are just waiting and watching. And if they don't, they're, they're, they're not paying attention to Winston until he's not tagged. And if he's not tagged, there could be a little mini flood of teams that all of a sudden wake up and say, hell, this guy's going to hit the market. We have to add him to our plans. We thought the Bucks wouldn't let him get away. Well, I, I just would be shocked. I don't think they're going to tag him. I, I, I mean, do you and your heart of hearts? No. Do you, yes, no. right? No. I don't either. No. And, you know, I think a lot of teams are going to look at Jameis Winston and have meetings about it and go, man, gosh, there's some good there. Whoa, are his good plays really good? But, you know, of course, the negatives are going to jump out and then not the most stellar off the field career either to this point. This is not going to be easy to sell your organization right. and your fan base with either. Past couple years, yeah, no better. incidents. Right. There's enough of a history, yes. though, including a three-game suspension for violating the personal conduct policy due to interactions with an Uber driver that is going to be hard to wash away. we got more PFT Live right after this. What are you going to run the 40 in? Fast. So well, I have well, to come say on, fast. fast. Well, how fast? I don't, want to, I don't want to throw any numbers out there, but... What's fast? Um, I would say fast is, is in the four threes and unders. Oh, man. Oh, seriously. Give me just a rough idea of what you're shooting for when you run the 40. 5-2. Uh, 5-2? Five, two. Five, two. Five two and low, five two and below. I've uh, really been working hard to try to clock this four four. I mean, that's something that you know I really spent a lot of time on. It's really a lot of technical work. Um, you're not going to really get too much faster, but that start is a real technical uh, thing, and you want to make sure that you're hitting all of the key points. That's Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin running back. Before that, reverse order: Makai Becton and Isaiah Simmons. They all did better than they expected to do in the 40-yard dash, and that leads us to our draft. For this Monday edition of PFT Live, dominant NFL athletes of the last 20 years. Chris, I've got the trivia question. If you get it right, you pick first. Today is Ben Roethlisberger's 38th birthday. There are two other quarterbacks from Big Ben's 2004 draft class that are still active in the National Football League. One, obviously, is Philip Rivers, who is the other quarterback from the 2004 draft class who is still playing. 
Whoa, okay. Don't Google it. No, I see you I'm Googling. Not. I'm not. My hands are here. Hold on. I that that is this is gonna drive me crazy actually that I get this wrong. I'm going I'm looking at the teams real quick. Two thousand I, I could get I could give you a hint, but it would give it away. We're not counting Eli Manning, right? That doesn't count. Right. He's he's retired. Who am I Thanks missing? Thanks for watching the show that you're on. He's I'm retired. going to miss something. Oh my gosh, who is it? Go ahead, tell me. It's Matt Shop. Oh Matt my Schaub. gosh. Damn. Who I mentioned in a text message to you within the last hour. You're right. You did. Holy cow. I can't believe I missed that. But see, that. that's the thing. If I had said, I if I had said I mentioned him in a text message to yeah, you. Yeah, that would have, have been too much. Too, too, too much. That's good. Hand. I'm glad I got it wrong. That's good. I All deserve right. to get it. I get I get the first pick and uh <sighs> I don't want to give in to recency bias. I, I gotta go, Mike Vick. I, they're, they're just, Mike Vick is the best, you know, he, I, just the, everything he could do, the speed, the, just the way he moved his body. I don't care that he wasn't one of these guys that could have played three or four different sports. He could have, if he wanted to, that guy was head and shoulders above everyone else athletically on the football field. When he split the Vikings defense in the overtime game in 2002, and a couple of Vikings defensive players clanged into each other. I knew we were dealing with an athlete that we had never seen before at the NFL level. And there it is. Right? Do you do you guys have all like the bad Vikings game B-roll just like ready to press a button? The answer I'm hearing from stats is yes. But, that, you know, and, and the other thing, too, we were talking about uh, last week asking the guys uh, – at the, at the combine, who they are going to be most in awe of when they show up in the NFL. And so many of them said Tom Brady. And it's kind of like that's kind of like how Mike Vick was. When, when he joined the Eagles in 2010, there were guys in the locker room who were in awe uh, because they, they idolized Mike Vick and everything he could do. So I think Mike Vick, when we talk about athletic ability – the most dominant player of the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear you there. I do. He's certainly in that that realm for me, no doubt about it. I mean, watching him in person, seeing the things he did, had a rocket left arm, but his speed, Mike, it just – and again, Lamar Jackson is really special, all right? Don't get me wrong. I don't think Lamar Jackson straight away was is as fast as Michael Vick. Michael Vick and the games I was on the field with him was the fastest guy on the field. And I was a part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that was known to be fast at the time. I mean, we were small and fast and Michael Vick was the fastest of the group. So uh, I'm with you there. All right. I'm going to go a little different route here. I'm going to go with a, a defense alignment. I'm going with Aaron Donald. All right. Aaron Donald for me is it, still the best defensive player in the year. I know, I know Stefan Gilmore, one defensive player of the year this year and all that stuff. Uh, but come on, you know, we know that goes a little bit with the win loss record of the team too. Aaron Donald is still the best defensive player in this league. He's so dominant. And then, yeah, I'm going to give him like props. I mean, at 285 pounds, he ran four, six, eight. He bench pressed, you know, 225, 35 times, put on a number of other um, unbelievable, you know, feats as far as the combines concerned. But this is like, a first ballot Hall of Fame legend already, and he's like not even at the halfway point of his career yet and still going strong. You know, I've never seen anything like it, and it just continues to be really dominant and awesome. So I'm putting Aaron Donald in that greatest athletes I've seen over the last 20 years. You know, I had Russell Wilson higher on the list than my, my second pick because Russell Wilson is a baseball player, and, you know, we see his athletic ability on the football field, but I got to go Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray is a guy who was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft and a top 
10 pick in the Major League Baseball draft. He could have waltzed right into baseball. They had to talk him into playing football, and I don't think he would have played football if he didn't think he was going to be the number one overall pick. The guy's incredible. We had Cliff Kingsbury last Tuesday raving about what this guy can become. I firmly believe that he can take the NFL by storm in 2020 the way that Patrick Mahomes did in 2018 and Lamar Jackson did in 2019. And he played so much more as a rookie than either of those guys. And he went largely unnoticed because his team struggled. This guy is phenomenal. He can move. He can run. He's fast. He's agile. The ball explodes off of his hand. The ball explodes into the hands of the receiver. I, I Hell, in hindsight, I should have made it my first pick. But Kyler Murray, second round pick for me. Yeah, you probably should have. That was a mistake by you. Nobody, I got both of them. But yes, I got he's both great, of them. Great athlete. And there's no doubt about it. I mean, he is. And, you know, that's, you know, not only... He's rare because he's a great athlete that also is a skillful athlete. You know, that's the, you know, the argument a lot of the times. What makes a great athlete, right? Is it the guy who's really fast and can jump, you know, really far and jump high and do all that? You know, I know guys like that, but then, like, if you see them dribble a basketball, you go, have you ever been on a basketball court before? Or you watch them throw a football and you go, whoa, we can't even throw. Are you throwing with the right arm? Is that the right arm you're throwing with? You know, so what is that? Or is the athlete the guy who's, you know, can play golf, can hit 10-foot jumpers, all day long on a basketball court, you know, can throw a ball, do all that. Kyle Murray is a great blend of both. And uh, that's where, where he's kind of special that way. Um, all right. I'm going to a guy. I'm, I mean, come on. His nickname is Megatron. Okay. It's freaking Megatron. When you get named after a machine, that usually means <laughs> you're a freaking freak. Okay. And I had the experience of going down to Georgia tech the year after I lost my spleen and throwing to Calvin Johnson. And he probably got done with that workout. I was like, man, I hope Tampa doesn't draft me. That guy can't throw. Cause I couldn't throw. I was throwing ducks everywhere, Mike. And this guy was like Spider-Man or like, like Inspector Gadget. It was like, go, go, Gadget Arms. I was throwing them ducks 12 feet in the air, and he was just snagging them down and ripping them out of the air and kept running. But, I mean, 6'5", 237, 4'35", and the 40? I mean, are you insane? And really, it's those attributes that would ended his career because humans aren't intended to be that big and to be able to be that explosive, which eventually wore down his knees and ended in, and ended up being the demise of his career. But to me, that he will always go down as one of the greatest physical specimens I've ever seen and one of the greatest athletes in the history of the NFL. I... Uh... I was at his last college game, Georgia Tech-West Virginia, in what was called the Gator Bowl at the time. He was unstoppable in the first half. And, you know, it was kind of like when West Virginia faced Larry Fitzgerald. Eventually they realized the only thing you can do against guys like that is just get to the quarterback and put him on his butt before he can throw the ball. And that's what happened in the second half of the game against Pitt when Larry Fitzgerald was dominating West Virginia. And that's what happened in the second half of that game. The production went down because the ball wasn't getting out. But he was unstoppable. It was obvious from the second deck right. of what was Altel Stadium at the time that this guy is special and he would go on to be very special. All right, next one for me. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Let's go with a guy who was not only the sixth man on the University of North Carolina basketball team. Oh, go good on one, the second Mike. overall pick in the draft. Damn you. A giant and a freak of nature, Julius Peppers, a guy that you know 
very well from your time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Haven't you told the story about you walk up to the line and you see Julius Peppers and you just kind of pee a little bit? Well, yeah, I peed. First off, he he abused us in Tampa. Watch. I mean, he had like four plays in a row one year. (laughs) You could see we couldn't block him, okay? And, uh, yeah, I used to pull out underneath the center and start looking behind my back because I was like, I know he's coming. He's going to be here any second. Look, I'm looking at him like, damn, it was him again. (laughs) But but. No, the story is this, Mike. I'm playing at Texas. It's my junior year. And I run out to the middle of the field, right? You're going to throw Pat and go to the receivers. And Julius Peppers is right there. And I looked at him and I was like, holy, you know, bad word. Holy bad word. <laughs> I, go, I, you're, I go, no wonder. I go, I can't believe you're Julius. You're, you're, I was like, I yelled at him and he laughed at me. He thought I was crazy because you're a freaking nature. No wonder you're so awesome. And then I just turned around and kept warming up. Uh, but we always Here's have- what's amazing. <laughs> in, in, those, in those highlights, and, and this is why I, I, I'm always shocked. And I remember like the first time I met Boomer Esiason or Dan Marino, I didn't realize how big they were. Yeah, I mean, right. you're a giant. But guys like that make you look small. Uh, Peppers yeah. makes you look like an average dude. Yeah. You know, and you're a freaking giant. Yes. So uh, I know. Yeah, here it is again. Yeah. Yeah. D- uh, he, you just, you, hey, I think, I think you took a dive there. Oh, well, I think Jim Rome would call you Chris. Well, wait a minute. That's your name anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. Jim Rome, he can call me Chris. That's my name. Anyways, I will throw a punch, though, if he wants to be inflammatory towards me. Continuing. But, yeah, I was always worried about him, and I was always worried about having the ball out or dangling because I felt like if he came around and hit me, I was going to lose you know, lose the football. And uh, But, oh, my gosh, yes, that was a great call by you. I didn't think you would remember him, and I was going to take him with my next pick, and now I'm scrambling here um okay I you know I thought about Dwight Freeney right because he did an amazing he was amazing I'm gonna go with Adrian Peterson though just flat out I mean Adrian Peterson come on this to me is one of the three greatest running backs in the history of football you know in a 220 pounds and I know you know last 20 years we're talking about greatest athletes and the combine and being relevant there but you know to run 4-4-1 to have a 38-inch vertical you know, and to be built the way he is, to have the career he's having. And let's like, let's be serious now. Adrian Peterson is a car crash running back and he's still looking for more car crashes here in year. What the hell year is this for him, Mike? 12? I don't even know anymore. It doesn't 13. matter. 13. That's insane. No. 14. That's he was drafted insane-er. in 2007. That is ax- a- unbelievable. But to me, he is one of the greatest specimens I have ever seen. And as you know, I've told that story many times. The first time I saw him in person, I went, whoa, the NFL's got freaks. And then there's Adrian Peterson. He was on another level uh, in the prime of his career. You know, I got to go with one honorable mention as well. And this is a nod to Tristan Wirfs and Mekhi Becton, two very large men yeah. who we saw moving very nimbly. Vince Wilfork. Oh, Vince Wilfork. good one. I, I mean, the guy could run. The guy could ch- remember that hard knocks they did. He's out there draining the jumpers, and that's to be an effective nose tackle. You have to have a lot of size, but you've got to be very strong and very nimble. You got to be able to slice through the center and the guard, and you have to be able to use that that size as effectively as possible and move. And he could. And it's just comical when my son and I used to play Madden. 
back when my kid was like 10, 11 years old, he would always crack up at Vince Wilfork, especially when they were in the white uniform because he was just so big. But he could move. Yeah. And that's what made it even funnier and even more impressive. Yep, he can move. I mean, as we know, he gave me Lakers private parts and Baltimore Ravens colored private parts one time. He <laughs> I can forgot move. about that. He put his helmet yeah. right into my pelvis. But yes, those guys don't get noticed enough as their <laughs> athletic ability. But, you know, I, I you know, him, I almost, I thought about Saquon Barkley. <laughs> you thinking about my Lakers man jump down there? No, again? I forgot yeah. all about that. Yeah, uh, I looked down there and it looked like the it looked like the LA Lakers, I Christopher. Was like, it was like the LA Lakers. It was, you know. But uh, yeah, I thought about him. JJ Watt was another uh, guy to to this conversation who deserves to be in that. Byron Jones. I mean, come on, the guy set the world record in the broad jump, the world record, not the combine record, and the whole freaking world. He did it at the combine. So those were a few others that just jumped out to me. All right, we got to take a break. When we return, a very good pass rusher is going to be franchise tagged. He doesn't want to sign a long-term deal with his current team. Could he be the next tag and trade like we saw last year with D. Ford and Frank Clark? We'll talk about the future of Yannick Ngakwe, plus more when PFT Live continues right after this. Lefties in the NFL. Um, it's hard to say. I, maybe a lot of them become pitchers, you know, and they choose a different profession. But I've certainly been around a lot of really good ones, you know, um, seen Kellen Moore, Matt Liner, Chris Sims, you know, I got a chance to see all those guys play and they've had success, Steve Young, so there, there's a lot of guys out there that have done it and uh, wouldn't hold that against the guy. Which doesn't belong and why? Sims Kellen Moore, shout out. gosh, why would he be in that comment? He couldn't throw it like me. <laughs> Steve Young, why would you mention Steve Young along with Chris Sims and Kellen Moore? Anyway, that's Zach Taylor from last week at the Scouting Combine and Chris had a chance to talk to him. You can find that at the Chris Sims unbuttoned podcast. All right. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And we had posted something last week about Ngakwe looking forward to free agency and maybe not wanting to be with the Jaguars long term. We've seen a tag and trade dynamic for pass rushers the past year. It was D Ford traded from the Chiefs to the 49ers and then Frank Clark traded from the Seahawks to the Chiefs. It could be Ngakwe, who reportedly now will be tagged by the Jaguars. That's really not a shock. We expected that one. He could be traded. If he doesn't want to sign a long-term deal or Chris, he just goes year to year under the franchise tag. You know, I'm waiting for more players to say, fine, I'll take your 15, 16, 17 million, whatever it's going to be for Ngakwe. I'll buy an insurance policy to protect me against a career ending injury and I'll, I'll play it out. I'll play out two more years and then I'll, I'll be a, a, an unrestricted free agent because you won't be able to tag me a third time because the third time it's quarterback money. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yes. And you're right. Somebody's going to continue to make that type of gamble or they're going to make that gamble at some point, but it's just, it's risky. But I'm more interested in the fact that, you know, Yannick Ngakwe says he has no interest in signing a lot. Like what happened down there in Jacksonville? You know, I just feel like, and I always wondered what this relationship was between Yannick Ngakwe and the Jaguars. It seemed to have gone awry, really, I want to say, ever since the fight with Dante Fowler. What, two training camps ago, right, Mike? Was that, you know, I just feel like things have been uneasy there. And, of course, we had the Jalen Ramsey thing, too. So, what is it? Why does Yannick Ngakwe want out of there? He is a big-time pass rusher and will have a market. I mean, this is a guy that, yes, I would say is is definitely worth more than a guy like D Ford, who I think a lot of, you know, he is, this is a pure pass, pass rusher with a lot of speed. Um, I'm just surprised he's drawing such a line in the sand with the Jacksonville Jaguars is saying he doesn't want to be there long-term. 
And my interpretation of that fight with Dante Fowler Jr., and this is all just based on circumstance, I could understand why Ngakwe would have resentment for the guy who was the third overall pick in the draft, got the big contract and never lived up to it. Here's Ngakwe with 37 and a half sacks in four seasons. He had 12 in his second year with the team. And I don't know if there's any kind of fumes of Tom Coughlin that are still kind of affecting Ngakwe. Maybe he crossed that bridge mentally last year and he can't uncross it even though Coughlin is gone, but he's been trying to get paid. You know, when you dot all the I's, cross all the T's, check all the boxes, show up and do your job, and they don't reward you, you get to a point where you don't want the reward from them. You want it from someone else, and it may very well be that they have to trade. Remember when they drafted John up uh, Josh Allen last yeah. year? Uh, not the quarterback, the the pass rusher. We we all kind of thought that maybe they're planning for a future without Yannick Ngakwe, and they can have Allen for four more years before they get to a point where they'd have to tag him. Or, or pay him a long-term deal. And it could just be that they're going to get what they can for Ngakwe and move on. I mean, if Clark got a one and a two for the Seahawks, maybe Ngakwe gets at least a first-rounder for the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, he yes, I do think he's going to get a first-round. He'll get first-round compensation. I do. You know, again, this is a, a guy that you look at if you just want to compare him to like a little bit of apples to apples, like to Demarcus Lawrence. His production has been better than Demarcus Lawrence, and Demarcus Lawrence became a $100 million man last year. So that's the type of contract that I think he's going to be able to demand on the open market. And there's going to be the, the one thing I know here early on in, you know, free agency, we've got a few weeks. Man, there's some good pass rushers, and there's some teams who have legitimate needs at the pass rushing position to where I think that's going to really make that market fun to watch here this offseason and to see the money thrown around to those guys. Yeah, and we know that, that that is a highly valued position. It's quarterback and it's stopping the quarterback, and great pass rushers can do just that. We have rocketed through this Monday edition of PFT Live. Chris, I, I'm telling you, I, I know it was hard during, but, man, you've, you you look good. You, you've lost weight, not that you needed to, but uh, it's great to have you back. Thanks, We'll man. see you back tomorrow. We'll see everybody else on Tuesday. Enjoy the rest of your day. See ya. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.